Okay, good evening. We're continuing the Talmud series. And uh, last week we ended up with uh, the signs that will happen uh, before the Mashiach will come. The destruction of the Galilee and uh, the face of the generation, like the face of the dog, etc. So we're still in Masechet Sanhedrin. And uh, we're continuing today. Uh, we're still in Masechet Sanhedrin. A person that doesn't have the ability to tell the difference between good and bad, which means he, it's not that he's stupid, he's smart, but smart for nonsense. When it comes to scenes and, uh, and mitzvot, he's always confused. He does the, the opposite. He ignores the, the truth of Hashem. Someone like this, you shouldn't have any mercy on him. Uh, bottom line, when you see that he gets uh, all kinds of suffering and all kinds of, of punishments, what's the point of having mercy on him? He brings it to himself. So the Gemara says, someone like this, you, you shouldn't even have mercy to give him his... Uh, to give him his, uh, to give him bread, to feed him. If he's hungry, if you want to give him bread, you know, somebody like this, you don't have an obligation because anyway, it's going to make sins with that. Doesn't make bracha. Bottom line, if a person can help, he better help the righteous people than to help this kind of people that have no appreciation for Hashem. Uh, someone like this, someone who doesn't have de'a, de'a means that he doesn't use his wisdom and intelligence to do mitzvot. So somebody like this, he ended up in the exile, and uh, the Gemara continued, the Gemara say, someone who has money and doesn't give it to people who learn Torah or people who know Torah, Talmid Chacham, high scholar, so then there's no blessing in their money. Why? One of the reasons Hashem gives money to people is to help the yeshiva, to help people who sit and learn Torah. If they don't do it, yeah, they may have a lot of money, but there's not going to be blessing in this money. Not enough to have a lot of money. It's important to have blessing in the money. Someone who eats always have to make sure, only he has to make sure to leave bread on the table. It's also a sign of blessing. Even he done, he leave a little piece of bread in a plate, always in a plate, a little piece of bread. Right? It's also a sign of a blessing for the table to be blessed. Tana Deve Eliyahu, in the name of Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah, the prophet, the righteous people that Hashem will bring back to life, the resurrection of the dead will revive, they won't die anymore. They won't return to the sand. They get up until the end of this world. And then the soul will go to life of eternity eventually, when this world will be over, but there will not be death again. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Gdolim Tzadikim Yoter Mimalachei Asharet. Uh, the righteous people are greater than the angel uh, of Hashem because uh, the angel is a robot. He was created, created righteous. He doesn't have an evil inclination to make sins. Someone who has Yetzirah, evil inclination, and he's a tzaddik, just like the angel, of course, he deserves a lot, a lot of credit. Uh, the Gemara says, uh, the people that Yechezkel, the prophet, Ezekiel, resurrect, 
they got up on their legs and they started to sing from happiness. They were so happy that they came back to life after hundreds of years they were dead. So they started to sing to Hashem. Uh, then the Gemara said, this is actually where we ended last week. Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yossi, said those kind of dead or dead people who came back to life, they ended up going to Israel, they married women, and the son of them, one of them is Rabbi Uda ben Betera. He's from the tribe of Ephraim, that the Echeskel, the prophet, brought back to life with the order of Hashem. And uh, he was even able to show that his tefillin is going from father to son, from all this generation who came back to life, until his time, which we're talking about five, six hundred years, he still has this feeling in his hand. He's passing from father to son. Uh, one of the signs before Mashiach come, there will not be huge rabbis left in the world. Only few, and we see that we have few, six, seven, ten, whatever we have today, they're all older than 90, which who knows what's going to happen in the next few years, we may left with none. So uh, this is one of the signs before Mashiach will come, and everyone is upset, everyone is depressed, lots of tragedies, horrible decrees one after the other. Before you, before you uh, digest one problem, already one or two more coming. A person doesn't know which one to cry for because it's so much, such massive amount of tragedies. And we see exactly in our days, and it's actually going to be a lot worse. Um, also, people who, who, people who love uh, Hashem or they fear from the sin, so the rest of the wicked people cannot stand them. It's very difficult to find the truth. The truth is divided to all kinds of groups. So even people who know Hashem and knows the Torah, not everyone has the truth, which all kinds of groups, cults, cults in Judaism, um, Messianic Jews, idols, worshippers, uh, reform, conservative, all kinds of movements, and Hashem Yerachem, how many problems they bring to the Jewish nation. And the Gemara says, in a generation when Mashiach comes, that generation, the youth, will embarrass the old people. They won't give them respect. The old people will be afraid of the young people. Uh, the daughters rebel against their mothers, and the daughter-in-law rebel against the mother-in-law. The face of the generation, like the face of the dog, the boy has no shame from his father. He can talk openly about the things that he does. He's not even afraid, not embarrassed. Uh, people have huge chutzpah, arrogance. The prices constantly go up nonstop. There's no mercy. Like now, they raise the toll from $8 to 12 one shot. Horrible what's going on. A person wants to go to work, gas and tolls cost him $60, and he makes 70 That's what's happening in America right now. If you want to go from Muncie to Queens to work, let's say, you drive an hour, one hour you drive, you pay $55 gas and tolls, and by the end of the day, they pay you $70. From that, they take taxes, which means you lost money from your pocket after working eight, nine hours. This is what's happening, and everything, of course, is going higher and higher and higher until people will murder each other for bread. They won't relax with the price increase. Also, the wine will be expensive, and the kingdom of Israel will be all wicked people. 
No one will have the guts to tell the truth of God. People will be afraid to say the truth of the Torah. It's exactly what we have today. If today you say to the people what they're facing if they continue with the wicked way, right away they begin to argue with you, to fight with you. You're scary, you, you're strict, you're too tough. All kinds of things like this. As long as they don't have to hear the truth. Uh, the Gemara says also traditions. The Jewish tradition will be divided to different traditions, which is also horrible. That's one sign, and it's happening already now. And also, uh, people will be broke. There will not be enough money for mandatory things. People would already give up on Mashiach. They say, ah, 2,000 years we waited. If he didn't come by now, we probably missed our chance, right? Uh, just when people would give up, the surprise will come. The Gemara said three things come by surprise. One of them is finding a, a lost object. One of them is a scorpion. And one of them is Mashiach. Why the Gemara gives example of three surprises when there can be millions of different surprises? There's many surprises in life, right? A person got a call that he has a shiduch. That's a surprise, no? A person got a, a job. It's a surprise. All kinds of things. There's a lot of surprises that you're not ready, and all of a sudden, you know. So why they are talking about finding something on the street? Scorpion, which can kill, bite and kill, and Mashiach. What's the connection? The secret here is when Mashiach come and the people will hear the shofar of Eliyahu Navi. For some people, it would be like finding treasure on the street. And for some people, it would be scorpion who come to kill them. Depend who they are. Righteous people. <laughs> Finally, Mashiach come. All the problems stopped. That's it. From now on, the world is going to start getting corrected. And they waited for this moment for thousands of years, 2,000 years. People are wicked. They're going to be destroyed for eternity. So for them, it's a scorpion. That's why the Gemara used three examples. Okay, Rabbi Eliezer says, if the nation of Israel is making tshuva, they're going to have their salvation. If not, they just won't have it. That means Hashem will cancel it. In Egypt, 80% of the Jews died. They didn't trust Hashem, so they didn't come out. But the 20 had the salvation. But the last geula, the last salvation, which is in our days, if the people won't be, won't be enough amount of tshuva, Hashem will say, you know what, no salvation. Hashem irachem, no salvation, what does it mean? No Mashiach, no nothing. This is what the Gemara says, Masechet Sanhedrin. Amar lo Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua challenged him. He said, what do you mean? If they're not going to do tshuva, there's not going to be a salvation? Don't worry about it. We know that Hashem will bring a horrible king a horrible leader or president, whatever you want to call it, that will be so cruel like Haman that wanted to destroy all the Jews. And from fear from this wicked king, all the Jews will become religious. Why? Fear works. Nothing works better than fear. People that are ungrateful to Hashem, the only medicine for ungrateful people is fear and punishments. That's the only language they understand. If people will be naturally grateful people, appreciative, they appreciate, they love to give back. So just from thinking how much Hashem is doing for me, how can I even not listen to him by little things? I gotta be focused all the time not to make mistakes. 
I owe him so much, but m- most people don't think like this. That's why they make so many sins. That's why they don't care. That's why they don't do enough mitzvot. And many other examples. So he said, one way or the other, the Jews will make tshuva, in a good way or in a bad way. Some of them will come to the lecture instead of wasting their evenings. And some of them will, will do it because there will be a, 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 a new Hitler in Iran that's ready to shoot an atomic bomb in Israel, and then they realize, oh, he will shoot and miss the first one, and they see what happened, right? And then they'll realize, oh, any minute we can be dead. So they're all going to start to scream to Hashem, help us, help us, we're sorry, forgive us, that's enough. Tshuva can be one hour. Don't need it to be uh, five years. If a person cry with all his heart and asking for mechila, and he die, then it's not, it's not, he didn't die wicked. Yes, he doesn't have enough mitzvot. There's not that much to pay him because he, he didn't earn any mitzvot. But the fact that he died with a broken heart and fear and ask Hashem to forgive him, that's already a complete different status. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, The generation that becoming lower and lower on the level, then then open your eyes carefully, any moment you should come. If you see a generation that tragedies are flooding their life of the people like a river, open your eyes, is, is probably around the corner. And Rabbi Yochanan say one last thing, the Mashiach will not come unless if the entire generation, and Ben David Ba Ela Bedor Shekulo Zakai, the generations that everyone is righteous or everyone is wicked. What does it mean everyone is righteous? This will never happen. There will never be a situation that all Jews in the world will be either wicked or all of them will be righteous. It's never going to happen. Always going to be some uh, exception to the rule. What's the secret here? Shekulo means the person, not the generation. Kulo means the entire person that the generation that the Mashiach come, there won't be any more 50-50 people. Most Jews in the world are righteous and wicked combined. One hour the righteous, one hour the wicked, one day the righteous, one day the wicked, one week. Depend on the mood, depend on how much money they make, depend if it's Elul or not. They have their times. But before Mashiach come, Hashem will take the middle. Righteous people are in their place. Wicked people are facing destruction. But the people who are hanging, which means they are 50-50, 60-40, you know, these kind of people will be forced to choose a side. There will be massive tragedies on their head that they either drop Hashem and say, leave me alone, I cannot stand this suffering anymore, or they surrender. They say, okay, okay, I got the point. Enough with my monkey business enough with my lies, enough with cheating the customer, enough with half enough on Shabbat, enough with wasting time and not learning Torah. That's it, I'm taking myself serious. So which means the people are up to now, a person could be 50-50, Hashem is not forcing a person to choose a side, he leaves us to our free choice. But before Mashiach come, Hashem cannot, cannot judge this kind of people if they deserve to have Mashiach or not because they deserve and they don't deserve. So what's going to be the decision? It's like final test. It's like a person who came 
and he does, he does some of the tests, good, some bad. So the teacher doesn't know what to do with him. So listen, to throw you out of the course, it's a shame. After all, you answer 50 out of 100. To keep you here, it's also a problem. I'm giving you one last chance. You have two or three more hours. Go learn very serious, and that's the final test. You're either going to zero or you're going. I'm giving you, that's what it is. Not that many, few questions. You either know it or not, or sometimes there are one. Okay, listen, you're 50-50. I'm giving you one question. Here, go two, two hours, go and learn, come back. One question, you either passed or fail. Either 100 or zero. No in between. That's what it means. And we see it now. This generation, we begin to see it. Hashem is screening the middle. Some Jews go to India and become horrible idol worshippers or drug addicts. Or some come to yeshivot and begin to learn and dropping all their nonsense. The middle is choosing a side. There's no more traditional. The traditional will be forced. Where are you, with Hashem or against him? There's no one leg here, one leg there. You cannot be one leg in a synagogue on Shabbat and the other leg in a soccer field. You're gonna have to make your mind, make up your mind. So this is what it means. Then, Amarav, uh, Mashiach cannot come until the wicked, the wicked kingdom will control Israel nine months. He's talking about Ishmael, the Arabs. We've never been closer to this than today. Today when they're debating to give them a land, not to give them a land, doesn't matter, because the only difference with the land is that right now if they shoot rockets and you know where they're hiding, you can go into Gaza and, and catch them and bring them to justice. If they give them a land, then you won't be able, you won't be able to enter there. That's it, it's like a country with a border. You go in, the United Nations will take sanctions against you. You cannot go into another country just like that, unless if they vote for it. They give you permission, they give you. So it's like NATO, you know, like few armies together doing it, like they did in Libya. They almost did it in Syria. But uh, you, cannot, you cannot just go and look for people that you're hiding, because it's a, it's a country, they have their, they're gonna have their flag, they're gonna have whatever, they're gonna have their rights in the United Nations which is a serious problem. So one way or the other, it doesn't matter because slowly, slowly they're destroying us anyway with the rockets, with the massive smuggling of weapons and missiles and all kinds of things. And they're educating their children to hate anything that smells like Judaism, any Jew, any Israeli, Jews all over the world. And this, you know, the kids, they don't know nothing besides hate. There's no way to make a, it's like trying to make peace between the mouse and the cat. It's never gonna be, because the cat wants the mouse, and that's how, that's how they are in their nature. So these kids growing up with this kind of hatred, there's no way ever to try even to talk to them, because they, when a kid grow up with so much hatred, how are you gonna ever come and change what he was learning for the last 20 years? Plus, there's another problem here, that even those who are not in a mood to fight, with Israel or to blow up people, they don't really have a choice. The economy there is so bad, there's nothing to do. There's no jobs, no nothing. So the only way to make money is to be a terrorist. And Iran is sending them money, one, two thousand dollars a month, and it's a lot of money by the Arab territories. And the, the only way to make a living and to support your children is to be a terrorist. That's the only job you can find. Why? There's nothing else to do cannot do anything there. 
So everyone is a terrorist. Why? Because Iran has a lot of money, they give the money, and whether they want or not, regardless of their ideology that they always want to destroy the Jews for 3,000 years already, since Ishmael, one way or the other, if it's not religious, it's political. If it's not political, it's religious, there's nobody to talk to. All the Israelis who ever tried to make peace with them were complete fools. They achieved nothing. We only lost the land, we lost our strength, we get missiles on our head almost every day. We achieved nothing. Even the peace with Egypt was stupid. Two-thirds of Israel we gave Egypt. For what? Not to have war? We didn't have war with Syria also 30 years. Or with Jordan, without giving them anything. You know, why did we give Syria nothing? And we also didn't have war with them for 30 years. Just not to have war with Egypt, we had to give them two-thirds of Israel with oil, with, with the tourism, you know, all the beautiful beaches of the south. What did we get in, in return from them? Nothing, not even one drop of thing in return, nothing. They did nothing for the peace agreement. They just receive, receive, and now they burn the Israeli embassy, they demonstrate when it's going to be the war, they're going to be the leader against Israel, together with Turkey and Syria and Hezbollah and Hamas. Everyone, nothing will ever change. The only way to destroy Ishmael is to make peace with Hashem. We make peace with Hashem, Ishmael will surrender completely. We don't make peace with Hashem, Ishmael will eat us slowly, slowly, until the Mashiach will come. And this is what the Gemara says. Nine months of horrible days, and you have no idea how cruel these people are. You, most of you are American, you grew up in America, in America, Venezuela, Mexico. This is quiet, peaceful countries. They don't see Arab terrorism over there. If you live with the Arabs, you see their mentality, see the cruelty, the cruelty of these murderers. You have no idea to, to even imagine, like the Syrians. You know how they torture their own people. Forget about Jews. If you have any idea, if I show you pictures of what they do to the prisoners in Iran that are anti the government. They're not criminals, they just demonstrate against this regime. You know what they do to them? They tie them upside down all day with the blood to their head. They, they, they cut pieces from their body. They give, electrocute them. They mentally destroy them. They make them stay on their knees like this for three days without food, naked. They humiliate the people in such ways. And over there, there's no, nobody comes. The, the, the United Nations have no say. They're not going to see. They're all under the ground. They torture them for 20, 30 years. Nobody knows where they are. One day they disappear, and you don't know where they are. And that's what they used to do to the Jews in Syria. Until uh, Jody Feld, an Ashkenazi woman from uh, Toronto, she started to make problems all over the world with diplomats and all kinds of people. Until Assad, the father, had to release the Jews from Syria because they were torturing them in prisons. They just disappeared. If they knew that the Jew went to Europe and from there he visited in Israel, not only him, his entire family will be tortured for years with no trial. Over there, there's no trial. There's one phone call, take this person, put him in a hole somewhere, put a sack on his head, and torture him for seven, ten years. Little children they torture. If a kid stole a piece of bread, they chop his, his head off. He's seven years old. They put a car to drive on his head in Iran. Iran, Syria, Libya, horrible countries. Not that they don't do it in China also. They do things like this in China as well. But the cruelty of the Arabs are even worse than the Nazis. You should know that. 
And people who don't know, and, I, and it's not my opinion, it's what the Torah says, that Ishmael pere Adam. Germans are Amalek. Hashem say Amalek, Amalek. We know what Hashem say about it. But the Ishmael is the number one in cruelty. Not all Arabs are like this. Some Arabs are not really Ishmael. They think they are. But it's over the generation, it's different people who move to different countries, to Iraq, to Iran. For instance, many of them are not Arabs. They're not originally Arabs. They're just now speaking Arabic. Same thing, many of the Spanish people are not really goyim. They're Jews, they don't know. In Portugal, one out of 10 have Jewish DNA. In Spain, the same thing. Do you think they know they're Jewish? They have no idea. Some of them even antisemite, not knowing they are a, a grandchild of a grandchild of a Jewish mother. It's very strange how things turn around. The whole world got mixed. But one thing we know, that someone that is originally from the descendants of Ishmael, nobody can come near him in cruelty. You can ask the Israeli prisoners in Egypt after the 1973 war, and the ones who were in Syria, until this day, they cannot go back to normal from the mental torture that they did to them. I read a few of the articles. Horrible, no way to describe what kind of suffering they were doing to them. You understand? So this is it. And of course, they don't let the, the Red Cross come visiting, examining. Nobody. Over there, there's no democracy. No rights. There's no human rights. Nothing whatsoever. So this is it. Nine months of horrible days under their control until finally we hear the voice of the shofar. The Gemara say, what a person should do to get saved from these horrible days? The answer is, they call it the cords, the cords of Messiah. Why the cords? Like a, ro like a robe. Why? Because when a woman gives birth, the baby is connected to her with a, a necklace cord. What do you call it? A, 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 umbilical cord. Umbilical cord, that's how the baby gets his life and gets his food. Now, the closer it is to, dis to disconnect this cord, the harder it gets for the woman. Right, the contractions and the suffering and the, and horrible. So the closer the salvation is, the harder the time gets. So which means a woman in eight months, it's very hard, right? And see, heavy stomach, you know, she's tired, she's uh, no energy, but she doesn't really sit and scream. Now it gets to the nine months, it's attacks. In the beginning, every 20 minutes, then every 15, then every 10, then every five, then every minute. Then every minute, she begins to get nervous. Then screaming, you cannot imagine such thing. What is it? That's what's gonna be the situation of the Jewish nation. That's why nine months, exactly like pregnancy. The pregnancy of the Mashiach starts. And every day will be harder and harder and harder until you hear, now you hear the voice of the baby. Then you know the salvation arrived. Over here, you hear the voice of the shofar, yes. Take over Israel, take over everything. No, they slaughter the Jews one after the other. Yeah, what do you think? They, 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 you think the Arabs can, can control the Jews and leave them alone? What, what do you think? No, no, all the bad prophecies that the Torah has, or the Tanakh, or the Gemara, are not forced because if we make tshuva, everything will change. 
Because there's one way to, wear, to get Mashiach without any suffering. If everyone would be righteous, then Hashem finish everything, Baruch Hashem. But it doesn't happen. Realistically, the way it is right now, this is where we're heading to. This is where we're heading to. And also you see that it's already happening. 20 years ago, if I talked to you in Shiur Torah, was I able to sound realistic like I am now? 20 years ago, if I read these things, the Arabs didn't have a say in Israel. After the Six-Day War, they were completely depressed. They lost their confidence. Israel destroyed all of them in six days. They were very primitive, not advanced, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden, the genius Shimon Peres and Rabin went and broke them from Tunisia, gave them a land, brought 400 top murderers of the PLO in Arafat and all the other murderers, and gave them a state in Gaza. They brought them in, yeah? you have to understand. Without this foolish liberal left Jews, left side, we wouldn't have all this. But of course, from a religious point of view, Hashem is running the show. This is what it is. You're going to destroy yourself, Hashem said to us. Why? You don't want to go with me. That means you're against me. You're against me. You cook the poison and you'll be forced to eat it. That's what's, what's happening right now. The Gemara said, who's going to be the Mashiach? What's going to be his name? Few options. One, Shiloh. One name, Shiloh. I have a friend named Shiloh in Israel, but he's for sure not going to be the Mashiach. <laughs> then... <laughs> Hanina. Today you don't have that many Hanina. Yes, Hanania. Hanina, you don't have that much. No, I'm telling you what's the possible names. Then another one is Menachem ben Chizkiah. And then the other one is, what's the other one? Uh, now it's very interesting because the movement of Chabad, they were claiming that the Rebbe is the Messiah, the Mashiach. What got them confused is that it says here Menachem. But you know, sometimes a person sees what he wants to see, not what he's supposed to see. All the other names, the Gemara only gave one private name. When it came to Menachem, all of a sudden the Gemara said Menachem ben Chizkiah to prevent the mistake that they did that caused us so much problems with this messianic movement. The Gemara says here, Menachem ben Chizkiah, and his father wasn't Chizkiah. So they're not, it's not him. <laughs> Why otherwise? If we only say Menachem, it will be the end of us. They'll say forever, it was him, it was him, he never died, all the things that you hear. All you have to say to them, excuse me, my friend, the Gemara that you are learning that his name should be Menachem, say Menachem ben Chizkiah shmo. Menachem, his father wasn't Chizkiah. Also, he has to have a boy, that the boy continue his way. He should have been in Israel. He never been in Israel. He never had a boy. None of the conditions match. None of them. He was a very righteous man, very righteous person who, who made a movement all over the world to spread Judaism. Nobody challenging this, nobody argue. But Messiah, one million percent is not. He was never and will never be. Why? When a person dies, it's over. How do we know? From the same Gemara. How do we know? Rabbi Akiva say, you know who's the Messiah? Bar Kochva. Why? 60, 70 soldiers coming to fight against him. In two minutes, he knocked down all of them. That's what a hero he was. 
religious man, everything, hero. Rabbi Akiva said, wow, such help a person gets from Hashem has to be the Mashiach. Until he was found dead. The moment he was found dead, all the rabbis came and said, we made a mistake. It wasn't him. And they changed their name from Bar Kochva to Bar Koziva. Why they didn't say what the Chabad movement say? No, 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 he didn't die. He will come back. It's no problem. He's still the Mashiach. Not allowed to say Kaddish. He'll come. He'll, you have to believe in him. He will come. That's Christian foundation. The Christian made up that nonsense that he died and resurrected and come, all these things. That's nothing to do with Judaism. And the fact is in the Torah, in the Gemara, that when Bar Kochva died, right away everybody announced, mistake, it's not the Mashiach. If it was possible to die and to still come back to be the Mashiach, they say, well, we never made a mistake. No one enjoyed to come and say, I made a mistake. Especially when the biggest rabbi in the world, Rabbi Akiva, right? It's a big embarrassment. You have to be brave. So if they really believe that he can die and come back and save the world, why, why I made a mistake? It's according to the plan. You wait another few years and you see. That's what they should have said. But no, they were honest. The ego play a big thing here, to admit and all these things that we were wrong, it's very difficult. But the time of the Chachamim, they were able to admit. Now the Gemara say, who deserved to be Mashiach? Give us a level of a person that really should have been the Mashiach. So the Gemara says like this, if it's from our generation, people who are alive, who deserved to be the Mashiach? Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, Rabbi. He wrote the Mishnah, is the ultimate perfect Chacham. He lived 120 years, he was a billionaire. All the skills that a person should have, he had. Wisdom, knowledge, control, everything he wants. If the Mashiach has to be picked from our generation, from all the rabbis, there were thousands of holy men, he is the one. No, said. Then the Gemara say, and if it's from the previous generation, from those who died already. So the Gemara say, Daniel, Daniel the prophet was thrown to the lions and they didn't touch him. Holy man. The animal saw is a holy man. The animals only attack when you look like an animal. If you look like a person, because you don't make scenes, so your image of, the, of God is still on your face. The animal can see it. The animal only attack a person when a person makes sins and his face, his image turn into animals. It's a spiritual secret here. So then Daniel, the lions were very hungry. They didn't touch him. They make the lions very angry that when they throw a person, they rip him apart in a second. But they, they, not only they didn't touch him, they were mamash cuddling with him. They didn't touch him. Why? It was a holy man. So besides, he was a you know, very, very important person. So they say, Yet, if it was from the previous generation, Daniel is the one that should have been. Doesn't mean he's going to get back from the dead and become Mashiach, God forbid. Like some of them are fooling us with their nonsense. No, that's not what it means. Don't ever let any one of them fool you. That's not what the Gemara says. They take advantage on the ignorance of the ordinary Jews who don't understand Gemara. And they say, oh, the Gemara said that it could be somebody who died. Dear Daniel. No, the Gemara just give an example. If it's from our generation, every generation it's known that it's less holy than the previous one. 
we see our generation is nothing compared to the generation when Rabbi Ovadia and all his friends used to be young. <laughs> there were hundreds of holy rabbis. How many are left in the world? Not that many, like I said. So in 40 years, such a drop in our level. Imagine how many drops like this we had in the last 3,000 years. Less and less. The Amora in the Gemara, the Amora, they already knew 200 years after the Tanaim that they are not in their level to even contradict, on, uh, to contradict them or to disagree with them. They, they accepted everything they say because they knew we are not sharp and in, their, in a level like this Tanaim to come and overrule what they may, what the halacha they say. We're not in this level. So only what we can do is make comments and try to understand their, their level of speaking. It's only 200 years. Right away they say we are not in, capable of disagreeing with the generation before us. And of course, all the others, like the generation of the Achronim, they cannot go against the Rishonim, the Rishonim couldn't go against the Geonim in their level, etc., etc. So, if this is our generation, it's Rebbe. What happens if nobody in this generation is in the right level? Let's go back. Who? Daniel. Daniel is already higher than everyone in this generation. He would be deserved to be the Mashiach. And of course, he has to be from the descendants of King David. That's besides the point. But we are talking now about the level of a person. Uh, okay, so now, the Gemara says like this. Darash Rabbi Samlai, my dichtiv, the prophet Amos 5, Amos, he says like this. Oi amitavim et yom Hashem. This is what I've been saying for years. It's common sense, but here it's the words of the prophet. What does he say? He used to speak to the people of his generation that they say, when Mashiach will come, when, when, when. I always say to the secular people, what are you asking me when Mashiach come? You have to pray that Mashiach will never come. Because the day he come, all of you are going to be destroyed. What's the prophet say? Uva Zion goel, the prophet, the savior come to Zion, to those who made repentance. Leshave pesha beYaakov. We read it every morning in a tefillah, in a prayer. Uva Zion goel, leshave pesha beYaakov. Shave means return. Pesha means crime. Those who return from their crimes against Hashem. Yaakov is the nation of Israel. So what are you hoping that the Mashiach come? Whether well, they will defeat the Arabs, you won't be around to see it. So it's not going to benefit you in any way. You should pray, Hashem, since I'm, not, I'm still not righteous, please keep Mashiach another two, three years, give me enough time to get to the right level. Shouldn't pray that he comes. I just don't understand what's going to happen in the days when Mashiach comes. So the prophet Amos, he said to his generation, Oh, Amit Avim Leom Hashem. Oh, you that are desiring the day of God, the day he will send the Mashiach. What? Lama Zelachem Yom Hashem. What are you desiring that day for? Why? It's going to be darkness for you, not light. What is it like, Chazal say? It's like a rooster and a bat having a conversation. Rooster and a bat. What's the difference? The rooster say, is waiting for sunrise. 
all night, is waiting for sunrise that, you know, when he see, begins to see light, he starts making noise, the alarm, right? So the, the bat say, oh, where is going to be light already? Now the bat is blind, you know. It goes by smell. So the rooster say to the bat, <laughs> why are you waiting for the light, you fool? The light for you, it's darkness anyway. You don't see light. So the same thing to the wicked people. What are you waiting for that day? Then the prophets say, it's not good for you. That's what it is, really. No. says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, all the prophets spoke on the time of Mashiach. What's going to happen in the days when the Mashiach comes, the resurrection of the dead, all that people will still be here in the physical world. But the eternity, the life of eternity, the afterlife, in other words, no prophet was able to see that far. When this world will be over, how really is going to be the world of the souls, the life of eternity, what we're speaking about so much, what the Torah promised to the righteous Jews, the prophet couldn't see that far. All the prophets, they were speaking to the people who needs to make tshuva, repentance. But people who are complete righteous all their life, the prophecy didn't touch them. The prophecy were more to the people to encourage them to make tshuva. Ramara says, why? In a place that the Baalei tshuva stands, even righteous people cannot reach there. So basically, righteous people, they born righteous to righteous family and they're righteous all their life. Beautiful. They, they don't test from the scene. Someone who was in a garbage, he lived in a false life, addicted to materialism, to all kinds of nonsense, and gave it all up, and now started to work on himself, disciplined, hard work, getting rid of all his negative, changing his bad traits, becoming better and better, coming closer to Hashem, watch his eyes, watch... Mamash, becoming from a, from a demon, he became an angel. That's how, how good. So what's somebody like this? Somebody like this has a special level in a world to come that even someone who was righteous all his life without sinning cannot reach. Why? Because someone who was greater, someone who doesn't touch cocaine because he knows it's bad, so he doesn't want to touch it, or someone is already heavily addicted and got out of it with hard work. Who had a much harder work? Someone who just doesn't want to try it. No, 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 I know it's bad. I don't want to start with this. I'm good in my situation. I was always clean, always good. Why should I touch it? Or someone who already made a mistake, he got addicted to it, he cannot live without it. It's destroying him, and slowly, slowly comes out of it with very hard work of months until he becomes clean, he goes back to be a great person, etc., etc. Somebody like this invested a lot more efforts. So if there was a reward method of paying based on efforts, everyone would agree that someone who never touched it doesn't reach a level of someone who put so much efforts to come out of it. Even though you may come and make an argument, what are you talking about? He deserves more. He never touched this garbage. He never touched this poison. We are not complimenting him now for going into this horrible poison, no. We are talking from the minute that he's deeply in it. 
you need a lot of efforts to come out of it. And obviously most people don't come out of it. So when somebody came out of it, he deserves a special reward. And that's what the Gemara says. Someone who was wicked and became righteous is higher than a person who was righteous all his life. And it's, it's very good. It's a good encouragement for Baalei Tshuva. Sheneemar, how do we know it? Isaiah 57, that's the source, Yeshayahu. Shalom, shalom, l'arachok, ve'l'akarov, amar Hashem, u'rfa'ativ. I'm giving my peace to the one who is far and to the one who is close, and I will cure them. Why started with the one who was far and not with the one who is close all the time? Which show you that he's in a higher level. Then the Gemara says, Baresh HaRachok, the Gemara says, Hashem always talks in the right order. He's not a human being, one time like this, one time like this. There is, it's like Matt. He always talk, and based on his, what he said, you can understand what he thinks. So if he talks about first someone who was far from him, and then someone who was always close to him, what do you see from here? That somebody that was far and became close deserves more credit than someone that was always close. Right? Okay, now, uh, the Gemara says, someone who disrespects Hashem and annulled his Torah, his mitzvot, his soul will be cut permanently. That's the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says, who is this person? Who is this person who go against Hashem and, and uh, not obey his rules. Who is this person? They give a list of people now. Someone who say the Torah is not divine. Ah, don't believe. The rabbis heard here and there things and they wrote it, but it's really not from Hashem. Which means Hashem didn't gather the Jews in Mount Sinai and gave them the Torah and they all heard the voice of God. Don't believe in these things. There are many people like this. Right away, because of this nonsense, they're automatically losing their share to the world to come. Kidvar Hashem Baza. You know what Bazui means? Despicable. Make some, depress something. Like Mamash, like, uh, like vomit it out of, your, out of you. You know, so Dvar Hashem Baza means is not only disrespecting Hashem, is like Mamash, I don't, I don't even know the right word for it. It's to the worst level of disrespecting someone. Not that he goes and throws the tefillin into the garbage or, or burn the Sefer Torah. Just by saying this is just as bad that a person has doubts, ah, the Torah from Hashem, don't believe it, and all this nonsense. Now, another thing, there's another, another category of people like this. Someone who megale panim Torah, modifying the Torah according to his needs and convenience what we call today reform, conservative, and the rest of so many other cults in the world. They take the Torah and translate it according to what the scene that they want to make. They want to marry men with men, so they find a way to say, ah, that's not, Torah didn't really mean that you cannot marry men and men. That, that was then, it's not now, all kinds of things. They change. No, the Torah didn't mean you cannot light fire on Shabbat. That was in the old days, it was very difficult. You needed to take two stones and rub them. It takes an hour until the fire comes. It's a hard work. Today you press a button. It's really not that it means all kinds of foolish things. And unfortunately, foolish excuses work for foolish people. And they buy it. 
They don't use their head to say, wait a minute. If it was so hard to light fire, that means people had fire on all the time. Because nobody's going to waste an hour every time he wants to light a cigarette, no? Or, or make himself an omelet. Well, every time it's going to take an hour until he's going to no, know. So you always have an existing fire. And even this is not allowed on Shabbat. And all these foolish arguments collapsed before it even started. Because it was very easy to get uh, fire on Shabbat. There was always a barrel of oil. And they always have a fire because that was their light. There's no electric. So if they need fire, they just take from the existing fire and light another fire. And this, not allowed on Shabbat. So end of argument. And many other examples like this. Also, someone who takes holy sacrifices and eat that like it's regular shish kebab. In general, we're talking he takes holy things and make it into regular things. Someone who embarrassed his people in public, his friend. He has a friend, it's like spilling his blood, embarrassing him in front of everyone. Tell everyone where you were last night. Tell them, tell them. No, let them know what you're doing at night and you're pretending that you're doing this and this. Things like this and everyone looks. That's called insulting him in public. Uh, someone who said, the whole Torah is from Hashem, of course. Except one verse. This, I don't know who brought it into the Torah. This verse is not from Hashem. Everything else is from Hashem. Already it's like saying nothing is from Hashem. No difference. If you admit that 99.9% .9 is from Hashem and 0.00001% is not from Hashem, it's the same thing. You have doubts in the completeness of the Torah. You have a serious problem. You have no share to the world to come. Someone will say, Moshe made it up. Some of these things Moshe added from his own, uh, you know, Hashem told him this, and he added some extra words. Same thing. Uh, someone who challenged the formulas of the Torah, Kalvachomer, Shava, all the oral laws, how to learn one verse from another, how do we learn about which punishment to give, and worse punishment based on a sin, all kinds of things that they learn. There's a ways that Hashem taught Moshe how to learn in the oral law. Somebody like this also loses share to the world to come. Someone who worship idols. Worshipping idols. Same thing. And someone who disrespect the holidays. Instead of being together with his family and with Hashem and enjoying the holiday, he goes to Manhattan as usual to work. Why? Ah, holidays. I can live without it. Rabbi, money, America, time is money. Hola moed, let me go work. You understand? So, the Gemara says, someone who learns Torah for the sake of heaven. What does it mean for the sake of heaven? Because Hashem said so. Not because I love it, because it's pleasure, or whether I love it, I don't love it, whether it's easy to understand, difficult to understand, applies to our generation, applied only 2,000 years ago, sacrifices, the law of the temple. What do I have to do with all these things? It's not for me. Learning, because that's mitzvah that Hashem said to learn, it's good for the soul, whatever the case is. But first, because Hashem said, that's the ultimate, the most perfect way of learning. It's different levels. Sometimes a person learns because he's embarrassed from his children and his wife. It's not for the sake of heaven. 
Sometimes a person wants to get a job. He knows maybe if he's going to be the rabbi in town, there's nobody there. He can get the job. He has to learn here or two quickly that he will have enough knowledge that he's going to start giving a speech in the shul and they hire him and like this, he's going to make good money, no? So that's not for the sake of heaven. You understand? Someone who learns, someone who learns because they compete with another person. Jealousy is cousin, let's say. They're fighting who's going to be better. He's not really learning because Hashem said so. He learns because he wants to win. I'm smarter than you. All kinds of things like this. Um, so someone sometimes learns that he will be able to argue with the rabbi and proves him, proves him wrong. So he learns. Everything on his mind is tomorrow to attack him, to show him that he's nothing. He's not really learning for the sake of heaven. He learned for his ego and many other examples. So really... The ideal is to learn all the time, as much as you can, just because Hashem said so. For that, there's the highest reward. He makes peace, peace in the upper world, and peace in the physical world. It's like creating a palace for Hashem in the upper world and in the, this world of us. Protect the whole world, speeding the salvation of Israel. Someone, Rish Lakis says, someone who teach his friend's son Torah, and a stranger, a, 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 not his own son. Somebody is the son of one of the Jews you know. It's count like he created him. Take the boy. Now remember, in their days, they didn't have organized yeshivot like here, buses, this, going, everyone learned. Only some of the kids learn. The kids there were not so bright. Right away, age six, they send them to work. Like in some of the country, the third, the third world countries, over there, six, seven, the father needs you. He, he brings you to work for him in a farm. You maybe learn to write. There are some countries in all the villages, people don't know even how to read and write. There's one or two people in a village. Every time they want to read a letter, they have to go to him. They got a letter in Mexico from the government, from Mexico City. He lives in some uh, five, ten hours ride over there in some village. He gets the, he, he's 17 years old, he doesn't know how to, read, how to read and write. So he has to go to someone to tell him what it says. Most of the world is like this, by the Arab countries, in China, in places like this. In the civilized cities, almost everyone learned. But also used to be in the Jewish days, not everyone learned. Some people just went to work. So sometimes there was nobody to teach them. So if you take a son, if you teach your son already, you take the son of your neighbor or the son of your cousin or whatever the case is and you teach him, don't think it's for free. It counts like you created him. We learned from Avraham Avinu. Avraham used to teach the people about Hashem, blessing Hashem, being grateful to Hashem. And because of that, Hashem said to him, the nefesh, the souls, those souls belongs to you. They are yours. You created them. These are the souls who you were created in the city of Haran. What do you mean created? Avraham is not God. Account like he created them. Like Hashem created Adam in Chava. Avraham created hundreds or thousands. I don't know exactly how many people, but many people who were influenced to believe in one God, to appreciate him, to bless him for the food, etc. The things that Avraham taught. They already count that Hashem, Avraham made them. Someone who influenced another person to make a mitzvah. 
You convince him to put feeling, convince him to learn Torah, convince him to give tzedakah, to give charity. You also count like you created him. Why? Because what gives the person life of eternity? Only the mitzvot. The mitzvot. It's a ticket for life of eternity. If you make him make mitzvot, it counts like you created him. How do we learn it? The Torah says, Hashem said to Moshe, this stick that you hit the Nile with it. But Moshe didn't hit the Nile. Moshe didn't want to hit the Nile. Why? Because the Nile saved his life. They are hitting him in the Nile, in the water, in the river. So Hashem said, hit the Nile and it all will turn into blood. So Moshe gave it to Aaron. He said, Aaron, you do this mitzvah, not me. I cannot be grateful to the water who saved my life. You understand? From here you learn gratefulness, how far it goes, even to raw material, water. It's not, the water doesn't have feelings. And Aaron hid it, but because Moshe made him do it, Hashem said to Moshe, the stick that you hit the Nile with, he didn't hit, his brother did, doesn't matter. I made him do, count I did. I gave you money to buy tefillin, you bought tefillin, every time you put, counts I did. I gave you a CD, you became religious, every mitzvah from now on you did, it counts I did. You, your children, grandchildren, I repeated it hundreds of times already and it seems sometimes to me that nobody gets the point. Only very few smart people understand it and the rest, it goes from this year and comes from the other year or maybe it doesn't even go in. If you go in for two minutes and come out, it would already make an impact. It seems to me that I talk to the wall. All right, now, uh, the Gemara continues, the Gemara says, Hashem will bring precious stones and rubies and all kinds of things, huge ones, and put them in the gate of Yerushalayim. We already spoke about this Gemara, so I will speak, I will skip it because we read it in one of the previous shiurim, uh, but in general, that the time that the third temple will be built will be beauty and and amazing scenes that person cannot even imagine of the beauty of the of Jerusalem of the third temple that will be built Bezrat Hashem. So the Gemara continue: someone whose face become black for learning Torah, black eyes, learning doesn't go to sleep. He looks like exhausted. His face will bright, shiny, like the face of Moshe Rabbeinu that he came from Mount Sinai. Nobody can look at him. It was shining like diamonds, his face, like the sun. A, a person who didn't give a sleep to his eyes because he learned and learned and learned as much as possible. When it comes to the life of eternity, his face will bright, will shine forever. Amar someone who make himself hungry for the Torah in this world, Hashem will make him very full for the life of eternity. Hashem is going to fulfill the greatest pleasure to every righteous and righteous person. Right? The Gemara says, each righteous Jew is going to receive 310 spiritual worlds full of the greatest pleasure a person can think of. Not one heaven, 310. 
שנאמר להנחי לאוהבה יש, יש שין את 300, יוד את 10, 310 וורדס. זוהר says that there is one word, one world that nobody can enter there. Even the most righteous Jews ever lived, they can enter there. This is specific world to Jews who made other Jews religious. Only they go to this place and it's the highest of all highest. So if a person did it with his mouth, with his teaching, with his money, with his donations, with his physical work, running, hanging flyers, sending emails, hosting lectures, sponsoring food, all kinds of things that because of that people came and listened to the word of God and became more religious. And in my opinion, the most productive and the cheapest way to do it in our generation is these CDs. 15 lectures on one dollar, one CD, 15 lectures, it's enough. Even an elephant or a monkey who would listen to this lecture has to be religious, cannot be. Cannot be a person has to be that, that dumb to listen to so many proofs and stay what he is. So I always say, everyone change for sure. The question is how much they're going to change. Some will only put feeling. Some would start eating kosher. One guy would leave his, uh, his uh, Christine, was about to get married, and he dropped the plan. One guy will move his, ki his kids from public to yeshiva. One becomes Shomer Shabbos. Some will go to yeshiva and become rabbis one day. Depend on the level of the people, the soul. So anything they do, does, it's already better than what they've been before. It's yours, everything they do. Plus Hashem has his own ways. If they heard the lectures, they didn't change that much. A month from now, psh, big smack. Accident, problem, a car hit him, three weeks in a hospital, broken legs. There's a lot of things. IRS is calling him. They're calling him to Vietnam, to Zimbabwe, to Iraq, to fight. There's a lot of tragedies in the life of a person, unexpected problems. So the person, the nature of the people, I told you that they wake up when, they, when the smack begins. When they, as, long, as long as there's no smack, they're not gonna make steps forward. Once somebody is pushing, oh, okay, okay, I'm, I got the point. So Hashem will continue the follow-up, don't worry. This is like planting seeds in the mind of a person. Proving the Torah is divine, for sure. Proving Hashem runs the world, for sure. Proving reward and punishment, for sure. Proving life after life, for sure. Proving Shabbat is a covenant, for sure. Proving that it pays to be righteous, for sure. What else do you want? He got all the answers to any question he may have. He doesn't want to change? Let's say he did not change even nothing. Nothing whatsoever. He heard everything, now he's angry at Hashem. You know what? Okay, I admit you there. I admit it's the Torah of Hashem, and I don't want to do it. Why? I don't like this God. It's too strict. Punishments, this, I don't want this. I'll go completely against Hashem. I don't care. Whatever happened, happened. You have some fools like this. What do you care? You get his share to the world to come, comes to you. No matter how you look at that. He doesn't want, no problem, don't do anything. It's a problem, unfortunate, but you don't want, no problem. Your share comes to me and to my partners, to everyone who helps. It's a group of people. One person cannot do the work. All the people who participate in the mitzvah, they get the share of the people who heard the truth and don't want to change. Because where is this share going to go to? It has to go to someone. 
And this is what Chazal say, goes to the person who put efforts to make them. So, 310 worlds. Rabbi Meir said, Everything in life is measure for measure. You're generous, Hashem is generous with you. You're merciful, is merciful with you. You speak against people, Hashem make people speak against you. You respect, people respect you. You disrespect, nobody respects you, even your wife and children. It's all measure for measure, 100%. So basically everything you cook, you ended up eating. So you might as well cook kosher and delicious food, no? You don't want to cook poison that you ended up, they force you to eat it. So, Amar Rabbi Yosef, Isha Tova, a good wife, it's a great gift of God. How many people get good wife? How many? Most people complain nonstop. Talk to my wife, she'll explain to you. I have to ask permission. Gershon, where are you hiding under the refrigerator? Maybe you beat me up. Did you wash the dishes? <laughs> Some husbands are like this. But the husband that have kosher wife, they, they're lucky people, because it's very rare, to, especially today. So the Gemara say, a good wife, it's not, don't take it for granted. It's a huge gift that Hashem gave you. No. A bad wife, it's like a leprosy to her husband, like skin cancer in our day. Huh? Describe good wife, bad wife? Good wife is a wife that pushes her husband spiritually to become better and better. Go and learn. Change the way you dress. Don't dress like this. Dress like a normal kosher person. Buy only, buy only the best kosher food. Let's do Shabbat the best way. Invite guests. I don't mind to cook. I don't mind to clean. Uh, everything always, she's the mother of the, of the car. You know, the car cannot do anything without the engine. She is the one who is the foundation of the house. She doesn't fight with her husband. She doesn't complain with no money. She has one dress that she wear five years. She doesn't make a beep. You understand? If her husband sleep until 11, she makes a big deal out of it. But if he, if he try to bring Parnassah and he doesn't, she knows it's all for Hashem. You understand? She wants children, not like most women today, want two kids and three dogs. She wants really children to raise them for Avodat Hashem. Bottom line, she's a hard-working woman. She's not with ego and jealousy. She's not jealous with all her uh, uh, sisters-in-law and the neighbors and the cousins and whatever, you know? This is a kosher wife. And a bad wife is the opposite of everything I said. Jealous, fighting, instigating, uh, disrespecting the husband, doesn't listen to him. You know, a, a woman has to know her husband is her king. It's not only her, her husband, he's actually her king. She has to treat him like a king. He has to treat her like a princess, of course. But she has to know that my husband is not just another roommate that we share a room together. This I had enough in a college. I don't need now the rest of my life to have a roommate. Marriage, I, I had many lectures about marriage. It's not the time to get into it. But the Gemara say, a, a bad woman, it's like a leprosy. So what's the solution? How do you cure this leprosy? The Gemara say, divorce her, get rid of her, the faster the better, before this leprosy will kill you. 
You see that you have a non-kosher woman, not modest, walking half-naked on the street, speaking all day Lashonara, never eats Tehillim, don't pray, all the time her eyes is on other people, doesn't care if you learn, and if you finally want to learn, she calls you right back home, help me here, do this for me, do that. A wife like this, the Gemara say, get rid of her. The faster, the better. Even though Hashem is so careful about Shlom Bait, he wants harmony and peace. The last thing the Torah is, is promoting is divorce. The last thing. The rabbis today in the Beit Din, they do everything they can sometimes for years until there's really no choice. But this is now I'm reading to you from the Gemara. The Gemara say, a pretty wife is happiness to her husband. Husband like pretty wife. Pretty in his eyes. Not for the magazines. For his eyes. She can look like a monkey, but he thinks it's beautiful. That's good. That's it. He doesn't need that she'll be pretty for the whole world. And that matter of taste, it's the influence on Hashem in your brain. When Hashem wants you to marry the one who is your share, even nobody would marry her because she's whatever. She's not pretty at all. But for you, she's very attractive and very pretty. And the more you live with her, the more you love her. And everyone else thinking, ah, a guy like this marry a girl like this, or the other way around. Why? If Hashem wanted it, He puts the love in your heart. If it's not for you, there's no attraction, no love. There's no logic. Don't expect handsome with pretty and ugly with ugly. It doesn't work that way. Don't expect tall with tall, short with short, fat with fat, skinny with skinny, rich with rich, poor with poor. It doesn't work that way. There is no rules, no physical rules. I know a guy, almost 6'5", and his wife, Mamash, below my shoulder. There's nothing, that you, they look together like, uh, you know, Mamash, there's no, you cannot, there's no match here. Perfect marriage, 30 years, great kids, love each other, crazy about each other. And sometimes two that looks perfectly matching physically, horrible life, horrible midot, horrible everything. The Gemara continue, it says it makes the life of the husband longer. When he's in love and attracted to his wife, his, love, his life becomes longer. Did you know that? How many people knew it? That if you love your wife and you're happy with her, with everything about her, your life becomes longer because you don't, you don't burn your heart inside and die young. You don't have this pressure and stress. Why so many people are not happy with their wives today? Not because their wife is not good. Not because she's not pretty enough. Not because she's not attractive enough. She's perfectly fine. Just the person is greedy. He looks in other places that Hashem says, don't look over there. You have yours and the rest is not in your territory. Not only you're not allowed to touch, not allowed to look. The more you look, the less you love your wife. That's the rule. You want to love her 500 years, even if she walks like this, she can hardly walk. You're still attracted to her? Just if you watch your eyes and don't look in places, magazine, newspaper, internet, all kinds of things like this. The more you look at other women, that's what happened to all these movie stars. They have the prettiest wife in the world, and in the end, they're going to make a scene with some monkey in a car. And you wonder to yourself, what's going on over here? Where is the logic here? Person replaced a diamond with mud? You never heard such thing? Yes, it's a curse. He brings to his life. That's what happened. Then the Torah say, 
Be very careful from pretty women. It's a horrible trap. You go only after beauty, it will destroy you. Pentilaket bim tsudata. Metsuda means a trap. When you catch the mouse. Oops, it got locked in. Be very careful from this beauty. Don't sit with a married woman's husband and drink together wine. Why? It will make you look at his wife. How true it is. Look by the goyim, they like to drink cerveza, mucho cerveza. So they gather together after work in someone's house. They drink five beers, ten beers. All of a sudden, you know, they're not remembering what happened over there. Married, not married, as a zoo. The Gemara said, don't do it. Which means you want to drink with him? Go drink with him in a place that his wife is not there. You drink with him when his wife is over there, problems will come. Then the Torah say there are countless amount of men that were destroyed because of the beauty of the women. That's what destroyed them. Without that, their life would be perfect. They went after that drug, this addiction, and that was the end of them. Then the Gemara says, be careful who you bring into your home. Not every miserable person on the street who comes to you have a place for me to eat on Shabbos. I don't have a place tonight where to eat. Okay, okay, yeah, come to my home. No, no, my friend, no. You have to check who this person is. What do you know who he is? Can be a, a mental sick person, can murder you in the middle of the night. He may be under heavy medication. You don't know what's going to be. Maybe he didn't take a shower five weeks. He's going to sit in your Shabbos table. All the guests will suffer. You have a wife. You just got married. Why are you bringing her everyone from the street? It's destroying the foundation of your marriage. Yeah, hospitality is very important. But there are things that is just as or more important. For instance, the, the respect of your family, of your children, your wife. You just don't bring everyone in. Also, sometimes you bring wicked people. You want to make them religious. Very nice of you. You have great intention. But you know how they say, the, the road to hell is full of good intentions. So what is what's going on? He brings his cousin, earrings, tattoo, long hair. And the children from the yeshiva sit with this guy, and uh, he begins to talk to them. He's trying to be nice. He himself doesn't feel so comfortable near these kids with peot, beard, whatever they have, yamaka, tzitzit. So he doesn't know what to talk to them about. So what is he going to talk to them about? About his dog, about his girlfriend, about uh, you guys have girlfriend? I've seen in my own eyes the nonsense that they talk. Yeah, you, when you grow up, your parents will let you have a girlfriend. The kid doesn't know what girlfriend is. What do you mean girlfriend? Abba, what's girlfriend? Why you have this? It's nice, no? You like it? Next thing, the boy is drawing a tattoo, right? They see him eating without bracha. They see he doesn't have tzitzit. So they come and ask him, the kids, are you a goy? So of course, he gets defensive. He gets offended. Well, this kid called me a goy. I'm a Jew just as much as you, he say. There's, there's other ways to be Jewish. You don't have to look like this with yarmulke and tzitzit to be Jewish. Believe me, you can be like me also. And that's going into the brain of the children. And one day, it's making a big damage. Why? Because you were a fool. 
Your house should be a bunker. You gotta be very careful who you bring in. If your children are away, they're in shivot, nobody's in the house, yeah, you can bring anyone. You and your wife mature enough. You can teach them Torah, you can do whatever. You have girls in the house, 10 years old, 9 years old, 8 years old, 12. You're not allowed to bring guys, maze. What do you think? A girl doesn't have thinkings and the guys won't have thinkings? You're not allowed to bring them to sit with her in the same table. Why? This is how you bring the poison in front of the hungry person. You make sure the hungry person doesn't come near the poison. He may eat it. He may not. But once out of a thousand he will eat it, it's already a horrible tragedy. You don't take risks. You don't bring single guys and single girls for Shabbat, even though you put them in separate rooms. You understand why the nature of people is dirty? That's what it is. One, one, one will ignite a trigger, and the next thing you know, after they left your house for Shabbat, who knows what they did. You don't want to be participating in such things against Hashem. And the Torah continues, the Gemara says, Rabim Even if you have a thousand friends, that all of them wishing you peace and happiness, make sure you don't tell them your secrets. Only find one, the most reliable one, because a person must talk his secrets out. If not, it kills him from inside. He has to get it out. You have to be extra careful who you're getting it out to. Not just every archi-parchi on the street. You met him yesterday in a deli for lunch. You don't talk. You don't have who to talk. Talk to the wall. Record yourself. Pretend that somebody is listening. Don't talk to just everyone. Because many people, they're rachil. They go, oh, you know what I just said? They really not always have bad intention. They're, they're your lovers. They're real friends. They're wishing you good. I'm not talking horrible, jealous people. That's for sure not. Talking even your, your good friend. Nature of people, they like to add some fire, I mean, oil to the fire to create interest. Gossip, interest. Well, what's all this thing? Newspaper, gossip, taking picture of people, hiding, all this paparazzi. What for? Curiosity of the people. They're so bored, they have no Torah, they don't have any, any spirituality in their life. Their life is very boring, they like to create excitement. You tell your secret to a friend, next thing you read, it, you read about it in a newspaper. Then, the Gemara says, Watch your mouth in front of people. You don't know what's going to come out of it. One thing you say is going to say to this, is no end to what's going to happen. It, once you say it, you, have, you lose control. It's not in your control anymore. You've got to be very careful. Why? Because chas v'shalom, you ended up regretting for the rest of your life. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi Barbarhana, when Rabbi Eliezer were sick, his student came to visit him. He said to them, it's great anger in the world. Hashem is very angry. They all started to cry, and Rabbi Akiva started to laugh. All the rabbis are crying. Rabbi Eliezer Agadol, the biggest rabbi of the generation, the rabbi of Rabbi Akiva and his friends, everyone crying, Rabbi Akiva is smiling. They told him, why are you smiling? The rabbi is suffering like this in bed, sick. 
And you're smiling. He said, why are you crying? What reasons you have to cry? They told him, the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll, is in sorrow and pain, and we're not going to cry. They're comparing him to a Sefer Torah. He was such a holy person. So he said to them, that's exactly why I'm laughing, because the Sefer Torah is in sorrow and pain. So it says, as long as I saw our rabbi, his wine never became sour. His linen always stayed pure and clear, never got dirty. His oil never became uh, spoiled. His uh, honey never became uh, uh, dry. I say to myself, God forbid maybe Hashem paid him his reward in this life. His life is too perfect, never sick, never have problems, everything's smooth, what's going on here? Now when I see suffering, I'm very happy because I know for sure his reward is not given to him yet. So that's why I'm very happy. So he said to him, Akiva, did I ever, did you ever see me doing something not exactly like the Torah say? Did I miss something? Did I do it wrong? Tell me. He told him, Rabbi, of course not, but didn't you told us in the name of King Solomon in Kohelet, Kohelet 7, that there is no perfect righteous person that will not make at least one sin in his life? It's impossible. Every righteous person makes sins here and there. No one is an angel. And I, you know, obviously, you, it's enough you made one sin, you deserve the suffering, so I'm happy that you get paid in this world and not in the afterlife that Hashem punishing you here. Amar of Nachman, Yorovam ben Novat was a king. Where was Rechavam and Yerovam? After King David, after the time, the, the kingdom of King David was split, Judah and Israel. David HaMelech heard Lashon Hara about a person with his field, he shared his field. Hashem said, the same way you made a, a wrong judgment by listening to rumors and you split the field of this innocent man, the kingdom will be, will be cut. Your kingdom, you the King David, all, all your children should be kings. So now it will be only half of Israel. The other half will not be from your family. That's what happened. So what happened? There was Yerovam. Now Yerovam wasn't just a, a king like today, a Congress member or Obama sitting with his legs on a table without chair in front of the camera. Yerovam, he knew the whole Torah by heart. Chazal say, if you, any subject you tell him, he would give you 127 different lectures, each one completely different than the other about this subject. It was like an ocean of Torah. But he had one problem. Pride, 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 ego, arrogance, it's all connected. Destroyed his eternity and he lost his share to the world to come. If he would come here today and give a lecture, you know what would happen? All the great guys that we have today will be shot the next day. You know, it's like people say, well, how can we listen to these speakers after we saw him? We won't be able to look at anybody else. Like for instance, if people would see Sarah Imenu today, Sarah, 
They would not be able to look at any Miss Universe or any pretty woman. They look all like monkeys. <laughs> After I saw Sarah, I can enjoy from your beauty. <laughs> it's nothing to compare, right? A person only appreciates things sometimes when he finds out. So not always he knows the situation. If people would see who this Yerovam was, they couldn't believe such level of a person ended up losing his eternity for his ego, jealousy. It's all connected. The kingdom, you know what happened is, he said, now there are two kings. Everyone has to go to Jerusalem for the three festivals, and only one king can see it in Yerushalayim, inside the Bet HaMikdash. Who is going to be? Rechava Melech Yehuda. Ba'azara, there's a place called Azara, only one king. The other one have to stand with the audience. So he said, well, I'm going to stand, and he's going to sit, and everyone's going to say, I'm a secondary king. Something like this cannot happen. I know one, one person, very bad person, that he never participated in a Brit Milah, ever, unless if he was the Sandak. If they don't make him Sandak, he doesn't come to the Brit Milah. Even if he will be across the street, he won't come. And I'm not exaggerating. A big crook that some people think is a tzaddik. Complete crook. As I, many other problems much bigger than this. But in my own eyes, I saw even people who were very close with him and did a lot for him, if after, and this is after they gave him to be Sandak once or twice. Now on the third or the fourth kid, they want to give the father-in-law or somebody else. He makes such big mess. He called, he put pressure before the Brit. And after that, if for whatever reason they did not surrender to all his baloney, he just doesn't come to the Brit. Never ever in his life he stood in a Brit Mila. Only set as a sandak, and otherwise he doesn't come. This, the new version of Yerovam, just that he doesn't know one billionth of Yerovam Torah, you know? So he says, Yerovam, because of that, I'm going to put statues and put guards that the people from the center of Israel cannot go to Yerushalayim. Why? I don't want them to see me in Bari standing and he's sitting. So I will prevent the audience from going to Yerushalayim. I'll make statues here. I force them to, work the, to worship the idols. And that's what's going to happen. So he put one of them in Bet El. Bet El, it's in Israel, Bet El, near Ramallah, not far from there. Not far from Yerushalayim also. And the other one in Dan. Dan is the area closer to Tel Aviv, that area. Two big statues he put. And everyone will say, I don't want to go to the statues. I want to go to Yerushalayim. Let me go. The police, no. One road up to Yerushalayim. No permission this week to go to Yerushalayim. That's what he did. And... In the end, Hashem came to him and said, Yerovam, due to the Torah that you learn, you can't just ignore it. Hey, you made a big sin, Avodah Zarah. Make tshuva now, and me, and me, and King David, and you, will walk together in Gan Eden, in Garden of Eden. Guess what the answer? He said to Hashem, who's first? Who will be first, me or him? He say him. He say, I'm not interested. That's how bad. You understand what we're talking here about? Hard to imagine. The Gemara say, when Rabbi Eliezer was sick, four old rabbis came to visit him. Rabbi Tarfon, 
רבי יהושע, רבי אלעזר, בן עזריה ורבי עקיבא. The four top rabbis in the world. The four top ones. Is it recording over there or no? Yeah, recording. Okay, so the top four in the world coming to visit the fifth top in the world. So we are talking the five top ones. Rabbi Tarfon told him, you are greater to the nation of Israel from the rain. Because rain is in this world. But you are in this world and also in the next world. Rabbi Yoshua said to him, you are better than the sun. The sun is only here and you are here in the next world. Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah say, Elazar ben Azariah say, you better than a father and a mother, than a parents. They are in this world and you are here and in the next world. Rabbi Akiva said, it's great to suffer. Everyone say one thing, they're praising him, make him feel good before he died. Rabbi Akiva said to him, it's great to suffer. So he said to them, oh, finally somebody talks words of wisdom here. Why do you come to praise me before I go to Hashem, to my trial? Let me hear some musar. So he said, let me hear the words of Rabbi Akiva that say it's good to suffer. Talk to me. How do you know? He said, I'm learning from the Torah. Menashe, the wicked Menashe, was 12 years old when he became the king. And 55 years he was the king in Jerusalem. So that means until 67 years old, from 12 to 67. And he did all the bad that you can do in front of Hashem. His father was the most righteous king in history, and he was one of the worst ever. And Hizkiah, the king of Judah, taught Torah to the whole world. He did not teach Torah to his own son. How he became such a Hitler? How? How is it possible? He didn't give him attention? No, but... What? No, he said, everything he did to his son, taught him Torah, taught him Musar, told him, what are you doing? You got to be righteous. You, you know, I didn't teach you to be like this. Nothing helped. What made Menashe Baal Tshuva in the end? When the Goim captured him, right? Melech Ashur, they came. Vailkedu et Menashe, they caught him. Bachochim. And they locked him with handcuffs in his hands and in his legs. And, and took him to Babel, to Iraq. And after that, they started to torture him. And from the tortures, they started to burn him in a big ball. It was burning, and he started to scream to Hashem, if you save me, I'll be religious. And Hashem gave him a chance to the merit of his father. And only after that, he became, Menashe became, in the end, Baal Tshuva. Vayeda Menashe ki Hashem hu Elokim. And Menashe knew there's only one God. All these idols are all nonsense. bar papa. Everyone who enjoys from this world any kind of pleasure without blessing Hashem first is a thief that steals from God directly. Eating without bracha, thief. Smelling without bracha is a thief. Learning Torah without bracha first is a thief. All the things who gives pleasure requires one blessing in the beginning and sometimes in the end, depend. But in the beginning for sure. 
It says like this. רב אשי הוא כימה שלושה מלכים. רב אשי was talking about three kings. ברוך אתה אדוני אלוהיך, העולם של הקוניה בדברו. It says, he's teaching about the kings that have no share to the world to come. So he said to his students, tomorrow we'll talk about our friends Menashe. This Menashe that I was just talking about. Our friend Menashe. Okay, why? He disrespected him. After all, he was 57 years putting idols. So I find he became religious in the end. But, it, you know, he didn't give him enough respect. He came to him in a dream that night. Menashe came to him in a dream and said to him, Chavraich v'chavre de'avuch karitlan. Next time you called uh, your father, you know, don't call me your friend. I'm not your friend and I'm not your, friend, your father's friend, he told him. In other words, it's an expression. I don't want to know you and I don't want to know anyone with you, right? So he said to him, tell me, if you feel so confident about yourself. So Rav Ashi was a ho holy, huge Talmid Chacham. He said to him, do you know what part of the bread you cut when you do a mozi? When you're now making a bracha on the bread, from where you have to cut? Ravashi didn't know what it would mean from where. I can cut from whatever I want. What? It's all the same bread, no? So he told him, I don't know really. He said to him, you do not know where to cut the bread. You're completely ignorant and you have comments about me. He says, so he said to him, Okay, I will teach it tomorrow in yeshiva in your name. He say, tell me the answer. He told him where the bread is toasted the most, from the well-done place. He said to him, if you're such a chacham, I mean, I knew that you were, you know, like a king. He's thinking, well, how can a king that put idols know Torah that much? He knows all the halachot. Probably was a wicked king, no? He never learned Torah. If you're such a Talmid Chacham, if you're such a smart and uh, knowledge in, in Torah, how is it possible that you put idols and made Jews worship idols? He told him, if you lived in my generation, which was about 700 years before Rav Ashi, about 700 years. So if you lived in my generation, you would pick up your long coat, you pick it up in the air, and run. Why? Well, you cannot run with this. You have to pick it up and run because it's, it tie your legs. You pick it up and run to bow down to these idols. There was such strong desire for idols. Just like we have desire today to money, to women, to food. Very strong desire. And almost nobody can stop him from this desire. That's how much the desire was to Avodah Zarah. Today it sounds silly to us. Worshipping an idol? That's such a stupid thing. Yesterday they made the idol in a factory and today people bow down to this. Doesn't make sense. Besides the fact that this idol used to make a lot of miracles. Because Hashem used to make a lot more miracles. So he gave also power to the idols not to ruin the, the free choice, the balance. But besides that, there was strong desire for it. So he said to him, okay, tomorrow... He said to him, 
תאמרו המגנה כל יעורבה עם מנשה. אז תראה, אני אבייסלי, אם אתה לא יודע את הטסט שהאדם יש, תהיה כבר, לא תקריטיסיזם, כי אם אתה שם, הוא יכול לעשות הרבה יותר. ואנחנו כבר עשינו, אז אני אעשה את הפאג' ונפגש. תנו רבנן, מעשה שני אנשים שנשארו בכרמל. And Shabai was a person, Ma'alech Achrem, and Ve'amar echad me'em lechavero, Gamal she'me'alech lefanenu Suma be'echad me'enav. He said, you see the camel in front of us? The camel that walks in front of us is blind in one eye. And he has two big, two big balls of, uh, of liquid, uh, of... One wine and one oil, one full of wine and one full of oil, like containers. And two people are leading the camel, one Jew and one a Goy. Amar lahem Shabai, you stubborn Jews, am kshe'oref, how do you know? They told him the camel The seed that sees the weeds, when it comes to eat the grass, the weed, it sees from the side. It's only eating, all, this camel always eating from one side and never turn to the other side. And the way of the camel is to eat what they see. So if they only always, this camel, every time it stops, we're walking after this. Every time the camel stops, it went only to one side, that means it doesn't see the other side. And we know that he has wine and oil inside these buckets, right? Because we see the wine that dripping is, seeing, is absorbing in the sand, but the oil is standing above. And two people are leading it, one Jew, one Goy. How do we know? Because when the, when the Goy has to do his bathroom, he does it right on the road. And the, and the other one, we saw one of the people, every time they needed bathroom, he goes and hides far away, because he's very modest by the way he takes his clothes. He's embarrassed if people would see him. So he goes very far and come back. And this one, make two, three steps to the side and does his bathroom, right there. This reminds me how, in the summer days, Every Sunday is bumper to bumper all the way from the north of New York towards the city. Sometimes you have 10 miles of bumper to bumper on a George Washington Bridge. People need bathroom, they get stuck for an hour in traffic. And I always ask myself, how come this goyim, they need now the bathroom, he parks the car on the side of the Palisades Parkway, if you know what I'm talking about, as a whole forest on both sides, millions of trees. All you have to do to hide yourself is to make four or five steps inside the trees and nobody will know. They stand right by the wheel of the cars in front of millions of people. Everyone is in traffic five steps away and he makes his bathroom. How is it possible? <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, oh, if we were in we open space, there's nowhere to go, no? Still, you should go three, four hundred feet away that people won't see that clear. A friend of everyone. I, in my own eyes, one time saw somebody in the middle of the subway, in the middle of the street, in the middle, millions of people, six, seven in the evening, like a dog, much like a dog. Now you see a source in a Gemara. 
a mother's person to a person that is half animal. Of course, not everyone is like this. It's people with no, no intelligence. That's how they behave, like animals. Okay, so now the Gemara says, uh, he says, he, says he wanted to check if they're right. And he started to follow this camel and the two people. And he said, wow, I went to check. You were right 100%. So he kissed them on, his, on their heads. And he brought them to his home. He wanted to be their friends. He saw they're such smart people. He made them a big meal. He started to dance for them, put music, you know. And he started to dance and he started to sing. It's a goy. He said, he started to sing, Baruch Hashem, bless you God that chose the descendants of Abraham and gave them your wisdom. Everywhere they go, they're like kings. And then he gave them all kinds of gifts and sent them home. Amar Laem HaKadosh Baruch Hu Israel, Hashem said to the Jewish nation, if you only knew how much charity I did with you, how much kindness. I wasn't angry in the days of Bilam because Bilam could curse you in a moment that I get angry at you and it's the judgment, measurement of Hashem and it would cause a disaster. So I, I held my anger and, for your sins and did not give Bilam a chance to curse you all these years. Or it says, and... Uh, it's, it's, so it says like this, Amar of Yehuda, Amarav. I thought maybe we'll finish Masechet Sanhedrin today, but it's, Baruch Hashem, a very long Masechet. Amar of Yehuda, Amarav, Le'olam Ya'asok Adam Ba'Torah Ba'Mitzvot. A person should force himself to learn Torah if he doesn't have the desire to do it. Even if it's not for the sake of heaven, because it starts not for the sake of heaven, it's just a matter of time until you fall in love with that and you do it purely for the sake of heaven, right? 42 sacrifices, Balak, the king of Moab, sacrificed, and thanks to his sacrifices to Hashem, Ruth, Ruth, a Moabiah, she's from the nation of Moab, came from this wicked king that hired Bilam to curse the Jews. But after all, he sacrificed to Hashem 42 sacrifices to comfort him and he's about to curse his children. And because of that, what happened? Ruth came from him. She could have come from different nations, but she came from his nation. Amar Abiyosi Baruna, Ruth Bitoshel Eglon. Ruth was the daughter of Eglon which was the son of the son of Balak, the grandson of Balak, Moab. In other words, Ruth, she is fourth generation from Balak. Balak is the king of Moab. His grandson daughter is Ruth. Four generations. That's Ruth. Okay, I think we should finish here. Next week, I'll give you a preview. Actually, next week is Rosh Hashanah. That's it. There's no Rosh Huh? And two weeks is going to be a Seret Yemet Shuvah. Yeah, so Bezrat Hashem.